Hello, and welcome to another episode of Grumpy Old Gay Men and Their Dogs. It is day 88 here in the Zen Room. My name is Patrick Finn, and I'm glad to welcome back the vociferous Tommy Gibbons. Hey, bitches. How are you feeling today, Tommy? 88. 88? 88. What it's is the, it? It's the day, right? Today, day, day 88, 88, yes. Uh, 88 keys? Yes, 88 keys. 88 keys, yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling 88. I'm glad to hear that. Really? You were you were, you were sorely missed last week. I just week. turned 55. I know, you're I was sorely missed. Eight. I was sorely sick last week. Ooh, how sick? Vomiting um, sick or? No, 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 no. It was more like uh, Mother Nature taking up residence in my chest. Okay. You know, last week there was like, and actually it was, it started the week before that, because at the, during the weekend, the week before that, right, the temperature got really high. Yes, for it like did. a day. Yeah, right. Okay, that day, that action, that day getting hotter in the midst of all that cold day, that made me sick. That oh, makes no. me sick. It will start making lots of people sick. Yeah. Um, Changing weather it always does. But it's extreme, because now I'm fucking freezing my ass off again. Well, yeah, no, it's like, what's the temperature? Like in the 20s again today? Yeah. Here we are the end of March. Uh, and it's and, like, and, ridiculous. And it, today's Tuesday. It's in the 20s. It's to be 68 degrees Thursday afternoon. Yeah, right? It's, yeah, but, yeah. but there's no climate change. And let me tell you, <laughs> just as an unpaid, uh, you know, unpaid sort of plug, Mucinex is the most disgusting name for a product I have ever heard. Its advertising uses the single most disgusting mascot I have ever seen. Well, isn't... Remember there was a product called AIDS? Yeah, no, yeah, but no. Yeah, okay, no. I'm, I, <laughs> but just the sound, I guess? The Mucinex, the way that character looks. Okay. That shit works. Yeah, that character, that little, like, that little He's animated disgusting. character. That he is, is disgusting. disgusting. Yes. And that shit works. It just works. Yeah, it's good medicine. Yeah, and it and it tastes yummy. It was it was better with vodka than gin, but it was fun. It was it was yummy. So what else you got? Well, I'm glad to see you fully recuperated. I'm I'm better. Yes, thank you. Yes, we had Daniel Higgins here as our guest last week. Uh, I heard something about that. Yes, he was very sorry that he missed you. I'm sure he was. But no, but he actually <laughs> I told him he'll be back here in June. He'll be promoting another play then. Who who will? Daniel. Will okay. Be. And so you'll have a chance to talk with them then. I'm so excited. Yes, you should be. <laughs> In the meantime, well, this weekend we went to a wait this weekend. Uh, well, okay, yeah, our, okay. Our I feel friend's like I'm father now. Well, thanks a lot. <laughs> fuck. We went. Our friend's father died, and we went to the wake on Sunday. And for the first time, when I at the funeral home, I had never seen this before. They had a therapy dog there. I love that. Which I. But what a great idea that Perfect. is. It's like. Every every funeral home should have should this have now, dog. right? Yeah, and then when you see it, it's like duh, right? It's like duh, I, I, like of course that makes total sense to have a therapy. There's dog always going to be that one bitch who's allergic to dogs, or that one kid who's too terrified of dogs. But then you take the dog and you go, but the dog is more important. And this dog, moment. it was a nice big cockapoo. And, oh, God. Oh, yeah, it was just a oh, beautiful dog. Too. Yeah, really was. So it was a like, great idea. That is calm, right? Pet me. Because when I first saw it, I was like, well, maybe did they have a pet and they're bringing it to the funeral home? But no, no, this was the funeral home's therapy dog. They, they do that out. with, you know, in hospitals frequently. Yeah, hospitals I've seen that, but I, I've never seen that at a funeral home I before. I have not either, and it's shocking. So I was I was actually very pleased by that. I hope that's, an, uh, I hope that's a positive trend now yeah. in funerals and uh, wakes, you know. That's a really good funeral parlor guy. 
Right? That's a smart, you know. Yes, it was. I thought it was very smart. Very smart. Cute. Cool. Cool. But uh, we'll move on to our first segment, which, of course, is Heavy Petting. Heavy Petting the Dogs. Yes, and of course, we, re- we want to remind people that there are many groups still out in Ukraine that are taking care of abandoned pets and feeding them as they cross the border with their families. So if you want to donate money at all, just go to our website. I think you know the address by now. And uh, go There's to our so blog. Words. I know. Go to our blog entry that says Dogs of War. And you'll find links to uh, at least three charities that you can donate money to. Directly to save to animals. It yep. doesn't go through us. No, no, it doesn't go through us. It goes directly to the charity. Directly to the charity. Do yep. it in the name of Betty White. You know, that was my favorite part of everything I saw, except for the Lady Gaga thing. Yeah. Was that Betty White? Bet- yeah, and that was so br- brief. I don't know you're going to get We'll that. talk more about that later. Also, now, moving on to, would you call Louie an affectionate dog? Yes. Very affectionate, very right? Very affectionate. He demands affection. When, I've said it a couple of times, when he was very young, when I first got him, I got him at four months, and he wasn't as young as you normally get puppies yeah. from breeders, but he was four months old, and for many months, we would spend the evenings, me and him sitting on the floor barking at me. Right. He demanded attention. That's what he was after. He didn't have to go out. He wasn't hungry. He was demanding attention. Yeah. He still does that. He, he, um, he'll climb up, sit right on my chest, which is great. And then... He, you know how they all nudge you with their nose? Yeah. My arm goes flying. I pet him and I stop, and my arm goes flying in the air. Uh, yeah, he do, he's he's very needy like that, which is not a personality I normally gel with. Okay. Abigail's the same way. She's very needy. But she was a rescue dog also. Plus, she doesn't like being left alone here at all. So when she is alone and then we come back... Oh, my God, she's just, like, all over us and stuff. But even normally, she's a very affectionate dog. Yeah. She really is. Louis okay alone. What? Louis okay alone. He's not. He has not been alone for very long, for a very long time. We've left her alone, like, a couple of hours at a time yeah. now in the past couple yeah. of weeks. And hopefully, she'll start getting more used to that as things return to, quote, unquote, normal. Yeah. You know? But we'll see. But the reason why I bring it up, I was reading an article, and I wish I could remember the name or the site where I found the article, about... Finding pets that give affection to you. And we already know that, as we've discussed, dogs do, as cats do also. Have you ever been a cat owner? I have been a cat owner. And how did you like being a cat owner? I'm allergic highly to cats. Ah, so that might have been a problem. Um, at the height of it, there were three. Okay. He wanted, he loved cats, so his mother died, and he was feeling it, and I... There was kittens up the block, okay. so I went and got him a gray and white kitten with those very much tuxedo markings. Yeah. We called him Fossey. We moved in <laughs> with his cousin in Hicksville, and his cousin went out and bought a cat, which Fossey completely adored. Oh, wow. She ended up moving, taking the cat, despite the fact that we had plotted with the downstairs neighbors a way to steal the cat. Okay, she leaves with the cat foiling the plant. So now Fossey's without this cat, who he loves this cat. Right. So now we go out and get a cat for Fossey. So now Fossey's got a cat. Okay. Same exact markings, only this time it's the actual tuxedo cat. Right. So it's black and white. So he's tuxedo. Okay. We move to South Carolina. We do the show in South Carolina opening. Uh, we, we, there was this promo. We did it at, at, at all of the all of the shows met at one collective theater for the tour guides yeah. to come and watch the shows. And it was at the Palace Theater, and there was this kitten. And he was grungy and disgusting, but 
he ended up being this white, beautiful kitten. And he had always wanted a white cat. Okay. So now here's this perfect white cat. And now it's like the perfect trio because it's gray and white and black and white and white and white. Yeah. So we called him Gus because he was the theater cat. And one day Gus had a really skinny little, skinny little nothing of a tail. And one day we like washed it just like a squirrel. Poof, poof, poof. Oh, it, just, no. it just opened and went all the way down. And that was Gus. <laughs> so yeah, I, I have lived with cats. They were very affectionate to him. Gus was okay with me. Fosse was all about... Ken, wherever Ken went, Fosse was. Tuxedo followed Fosse, and Gus was just along for the ride. Yeah. So there was always a parade. But well, yeah, they, 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 I could see them being affectionate. Yeah, well, I was, I, I, we, in my past life as a youngster and stuff, we had two cats. One was a mixed breed that we named Bandit because of its coloring. It looked like it had a mask on its okay, face. Okay, okay, okay. And very affectionate, playful cat. Loved that cat. Okay. Really great cat. Then later on, we had another cat with a Siamese that I named Cleopatra. Of course you did. Which was perfect for her because she was a queen. And nobody knew you were gay. <laughs> if they did, they weren't. They didn't tell me. Okay. <laughs> I mean, she gave some affection, but like I said, she was the queen, so... Okay. She behaved accordingly. But this author, he recommended that there are other animals that you other animals that you can have as pets that also give affection just as well. Let me guess. Pigs. Potbelly pigs are right on the list. They're at the top of my list here. Potbelly yeah. pigs. Pig goats. Goats are not on the list. Chickens. Chickens are not on the list. Okay, so what's on the list? Rabbits. Oh, okay. Rabbits. Which I had a neighbor. He I think he was he used he, I think he grew up as a farmer. And he liked to have like his little coop in the one part of the backyard. And for a while, they had rabbits, rabbit poop, all over the place. Oh yeah, I would never have a rabbit as a pet. <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you what, I have a rabbit story. My mother had a rabbit, Uncle Bunny. My forty-year-old niece, when she was young, 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 she called the rabbit Uncle Bunny. Okay. I hated this fucking rabbit. I hated the rabbit. I was very cruel and horrible to the rabbit. I never hurt the rabbit, but I was never the rabbit was a chore. Okay. Uncle Bunny, the rabbit died. <laughs> But the rabbit used to run through the house with the dog. Okay. But you're right about the poop. Yeah, the poop gets all over the damn place. Luckily, the right dog is going to clean that up for you. But, I mean, they're also sc- they're little scared animals. You know, they're very skittish. But when you build up trust in them, they're very affectionate. They're made to be meat. Like, <laughs> well, I know, right? Right. Is to be meat. Next on the list is fancy rats. Oh, no. Skip it. I would never own a rat. Thank skip you. Skip it. Fancy, I don't care. I don't care how far. I, I know, you. and you some of them are very it. cute. I saw pictures, and I'm like, nope, thank you, no, thank no, you. No, none of them are cute. They're awful, horrible things. Next on the list is guinea pigs. Mm. I never got into owning guinea pigs, but I supposedly they are very affectionate. I don't know how affectionate something could be that you keep in a cage. I know. We, well, I guess you let it out of the cage. You, you let, yeah, you let it run up and down, <laughs> and yeah, yeah, whatever, blah, 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 but I don't know. Yeah, I, I never understood the thing of having a pet that you keep in a cage all the time. You know what else is like that? What are those? They're the really long, smelly things. They're kind of furry. Uh, what's what's? Uh, I'll keep them on the list. Horses. Okay, yeah. Okay. Horses. Right. I wouldn't exactly call them having a pet, but they mm-hmm. are very affectionate animals. They do love the contact with humans. Okay, I don't know that about horses. Okay. I think I think horses must be highly resentful. And highly resentful. It. Yeah. Of what? Get off of me. <laughs> Are you kidding? I know. Yes, I'm sure they, if they had a choice, they'd the say, first horse. What walk. the fuck <laughs> are you doing? <laughs> Who's a guy who said I'm gonna go sit on that 500 pound animal? Right? Fuck you. <laughs> no, dying in battle, 
Fucking being made into dog food. No. Glue. I have a I'd have a horse named Elmer. Uh, Elmer? Yeah. Where? Uh, no, I would. I, if oh, I had a horse, had a horse you would name it Elmer. Yeah. Why? Because he's gonna be glue later? <laughs> An easy way to remember his name. Yeah, that's for sure. Next on the list, cockatoos. Birds. Yes. Don't well, like them. They say the cockatoo specifically. They don't say birds. Well, I used to have a parakeet. I would never call this bird affectionate at all. Okay. Uh, but supposedly cockatoos do give some uh, display and level of affection. All right. I don't like them. Next on the list, I never heard of these before, sugar gliders. Oh, so Lynn Voltaggio shows up to Allison's house one day. Okay. And she opens up her jacket and this thing flies out of her jacket and lands on like her daughter's hands or something. So they're okay. these little like it's an Australian possum, basically. Okay. That's what it that's what it basically is. It's an Australian possum. And it has like these pointy ears. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. <laughs> it's so it doesn't look like a regular possum. And thank God, I think regular possums are ugly as sin. Oh, possums get a, get a bad rap. <laughs> yeah, it's a sugar glider. All, all, if you imagine like the Martha Graham modern dancing and you've got the guy or the, the woman who's standing in the square of fabric and they stand with their arms and legs straight straight out and the fabric connects right. each of the... Yeah, that's what they look like. They just look like... it's. I, it was weird. It was weird. It was weird. Are they affectionate? That supposedly they are. That they're affectionate animals. Yeah, Lynn Voltaggio has a fucking sugar yeah. glider. I'm, I'm glad someone. I never heard that term before. Sugar I may glider. even have touched it. Wow. And I'm not adventurous. No, I'm sure. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, sugar glider. Interesting. Who knew? Next on the list, skunks. No. Ah, uh, yeah. Why would you? Have, unless you're going to remove the uh, the glands, which I suppose is doable. Yeah, I guess. But I'm supposed. I wouldn't want to have a skunk. No, thank you. No. Next. Chinchillas. Okay. Supposedly they ha- they have some level of affection. Now is it now when we're talking about affection, what are we talking about? Do you invite your chinchilla? Does it sleep with you? I don't know. I guess it never rubs up against does you it and come stuff like nice? that. Does it you sit know, on my lap a chinchilla. I don't know. I never owned a chinchilla. What is a chinchilla? It's like similar, like I guess, to a ferret. It's like one of those groups, but they're ferret. That's the one I was thinking of. Okay, but their fur is, I guess, very desired, luxurious. And- yes. Next on our list. Hamsters. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because I want to watch something more neurotic than me work it out. I know. Yeah, no. I, and lastly, I on, think, go ahead. lastly on the list is the bearded dragon. Oh, no. And actually, I saw a picture of it. Yeah, no. It's not an ugly looking lizard. It's yeah, actually it is. kind of like a cute looking lizard. No, it's a fucking scary looking animal. Oh, come on. It's not that scary it's a, looking. It's a Let's lizard. Let's pull up a picture right oh, now. Because sure, you want to think it's cute. Because it is cute. I'm going to pour me some wine because this. <laughs> why would somebody. And don't tell me that thing is affectionate. How does that. <sighs> come on, look at this thing. They even got a dress. Interject look, something. Look, I mean, Look, they even put. They even got a dress on that. See? Oh isn't yeah, that cute? yeah, yeah. In top costume. Hat and they put wings yeah, on it. Yeah, a lizard in a pink top hat with pink wings. <laughs> Having met a bearded dragon, yeah, they're surprisingly affectionate. Ah, see, thank you, Bryce. No, so yeah, look at that thing. No way. I think it's adorable looking. You do not. I do too. You do not. It looks like a. That one looks like a dildo with arms. <laughs> Uh, you do not, I, I appreciate the unique beauty of the bearded dragon. Alas, I do not. <laughs> I, I don't think anything bad should happen to them because they're horrible, ugly beasts. And on that note, we will conclude the segment of heavy petting. Yeah, I'm not petting a bearded dragon in a fucking pink top hat with pink wings. That is Lizards, your, that is your choice. Snakes, 
Anything that flies. Just trouser lizards you like. Yes, yes. (laughs) I haven't seen those in a while, though. I'm beginning to fear they're extinct. (laughs) We now move on to your favorite segment. This is birthdays. Today's birthdays. Well, first, I just want to remind people that for this past month, we've been observing Women's History History Month. Month. Doing daily posts on our Facebook and Twitter feed. I see all these women. Women's birthdays, all kinds of women. Yeah, I you know, okay. And I was looking out, what should I do for next month? Because I want to keep this going, of course, the of show. Of course. And there are actually two things to observe in April. April is Jazz Appreciation Month. Okay. So that's always a good one to uh, Fun. do some posts about. Fun. And it is also National Humor Month. Oh. <laughs> See, as the Oscars have shown us. Yes. Humor is a touchy shizzle. Yes, it is. Um... <laughs> Very subjective. Of course, it starts on April, April 1st. April 1st is April's day. Humor appreciation. I appreciate humor. I'm sure I appreciate humor some people don't appreciate. Yes. I I appreciate that my humor is not appreciated by everybody. I I think it's a much safer way to go, jazz music. Well, probably. But National Humor Month was, it was started in 1976, basically to... Highlight the therapeutic benefits of humor. Oh, because that's what humor is doing nowadays. Therapy. No, humor <laughs> is sending people to therapy. Other people's humor is so offensive to everybody that people are going to therapy because of humor. So in the days of George Carlin, Joan Rivers, Richard <coughs> Pryor, uh, Eddie Murphy when he counted, those kind of... Co- yes, those yes. are therapeutic comedy. Yes. You watch George Collin, you feel you feel better. I know. If you watch George definitely, Collin, most definitely. Pick a skit, right? You'll feel better. Exactly. Not today. Anyway, not today. Anyway. See. <laughs> our first birthday celebrant. I actually posted about her today on our Facebook and Twitter feed. I didn't look. Ah, why what a surprise? Why? <laughs> Who is she? She was born March 29th, nineteen eighteen. Oh. Born in Virginia, the daughter of a reverend. Uh oh. She attended Booker T. Washington High School, where blues singer Ruth Brown was a classmate. We t- we talked about Ruth Brown last time I was here. Yes, we did. I love fucking love Ruth Brown. I know. Anyway, this woman began singing professionally at fifteen. After and after winning a contest at Harlem's Apollo Theater. Decided to pursue a career in entertainment. Okay, good for her. She performed primarily on the East Coast, and then she began touring with the USO during World War II. Okay. After the tour, she settled in New York City, found a success as a nightclub singer. All right, good for her. In 1946, she made her Broadway debut in the uh, Harold Arlen Johnny Mercer musical St. Louis Woman. Uh-oh. In 1967, she and Cab Calloway headlined an all-black cast of Hello, Dolly. Oh, got it. A role which she reprised in 1975 and for which she received a special Tony Award. Okay, so then it is. What's her name? Who? (sighs) Do you know her name? I do know her name. I'm sitting on Mabel, but I know I shouldn't be. No, it's not Mabel. Why would you say it like that? (laughs) Why would that be your go-to? Why not? response, I have (laughs) angry little Irishman. (laughs) God, uh, keep going. She received a degree in theology at Georgetown University in 1985 at the age of 67. She was married three or four times before she reached the age of 30. She had one more failed marriage after that, but then her last marriage in 1952 to a jazz drummer lasted until she died. 
It was controversial because the drummer was white. Oh, yeah, he was. And she had one daughter and an adopted son. She was also close friends with Joan Crawford and sang a hymn at her funeral, which was an interesting fact I didn't know about her. Now I'm like every part of me is clenched, so I can't even think. President Reagan awarded her the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 1985. I'm surprised you didn't get it from Hello Dolly. Hello Dolly. No, I can see her. I know her name. She There was something about her today. Oh, God. See, I always associate yeah. her with Louis Armstrong. I don't know why, but I do. I'm, I'm, I, I'm stuck at the words Mom's Maybelline. Yeah, but it's not Mom's Maybelline. I know it's not Mom's Maybelline. It's, and it's not... You're going to kick yourself for not I know. Dolly. It's just the words. I can't put the words together. I could see her face. I could see the ad of her as Dolly. Right. I'm stuck in the M's. I'm stuck well, there. And you're it's definitely not, stuck. And it's not an M. It's a P. Oh, Pearl Bailey. Pearl Bailey is correct. Pearl Bailey, yeah. God, shame on you. Yeah, yeah. you know what, Patrick? Um, I'm old, and sometimes I just can't think of the right word to say, but I saw her Pearl Bailey. Yeah, God. Great singer. Jesus. Great personality. Fantastic. Right? Yeah, she really was. Definitely was. Our last birthday celebrant... She was born March 29th, 1968. She's still alive. Oh my god, she's younger than me. She was born in New Zealand. She was born in New Zealand. Oh. She began her acting career in New Zealand TV, but in 1995 she got a part as a role of a warrior named Xena on an oh, epi- oh, episode oh. of Hercules. This is Lucy Lawless. This is Lucy Lawless. I didn't know she was that old that she was only a year younger than me. Yeah, she's what 6 years younger than me. So she's yeah. 54, yeah. Yeah, and you're 60. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, 54. Right? She played Xena on the show for six seasons. I w- can watch that fucking show. Oh, I know plenty of gay men who oh, watched the show. Oh, it, my it God, they like, loved it. And it was because of her and Gabrielle. Her, yeah. Well, that's how she became a lesbian icon. But it was know? but it was, it was, was never about the lesbianism that my ex-boyfriend was watching Xena the Warrior. Before. No. They just... But, but yeah, it attracted this gay following. Yeah, that really was, did. Gay and lesbian. And then, <laughs> of course, lesbians. Now, hold on. The guy who played... Was it Hercules? Oh, Kevin Sorbo. He Kevin played Sorbo. Her, he played was Hercules. it Hercules? Yeah, that's where she started the role. Right, right, right. Because it's all a spin-off yeah, from Yeah, it's spin-off from there. Now, did he become some sort of right-wing crazy person? Yes, he did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he's another he's another wing nut. All right, I just, want to, I just want to make sure that some circuits are still sparking. Yep. I didn't know that she starred as Rizzo in the 1997 Broadway revival of Grease. Original Broadway cast? No, Broadway revival, 1997. No, 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 but that original cast? Yes, was, not in the original. Was with Rosie O'Donnell. Was it? Okay, well, she was in it too then. 1997? Yep, she starred as Rizzo. Is that the pink one? What, Rizzo? It's a Stocker Channing role from the No, movie. no, no. There was a... There, Rosie O'Donnell's Grease was advertised in very pink. Okay. It was all very pink. Yeah, I don't know if like, it was. To me, not. there's... there's La Caja Fall, La Caja Fall Pink, La Caja Fall Yellow. Okay. Those were the three Broadway inca- incarnations. All of them, Tony Award winners, by the way, just saying anyway. Uh, but there was La Caja Fall, La Caja Fall Pink, La Caja Fall Yellow. And okay. I don't know, this, this revival of Grease... When would Rosie have been at 92? I don't know. Could it be that old? I don't know. More about Lucy Lawless. She became an advocate for Greenpeace. Okay. And in 2012, she and six other activists boarded an oil drilling ship in New Zealand and remained on for 77 hours to stop it to, uh, from leaving for the Arctic, where it was going to take part in oil exploration. She eventually got, you know, they arrested her. It's community service. She was sentenced to in a fine. Yeah, it took too long to arrest her, as far as I'm concerned. She also serves on the board of trustees of a children's hospital in New Zealand. Good for her. 
And the Lucy Lawless Fan Club has declared September 21st to be Lucy Lawless Feel the Love Day, in which they make donations to ch- uh, to charities supported by Lawless. Okay, why that date? I don't know. That's but they picked that date. See, that's the interesting part to me. That doesn't really phase me one bit. I don't care about the date. Oh, all right. So I would be like that, you little bitch. Well, she is uh, married. She got married again in 1998. Her first marriage was to Garth Lawless, and they had a daughter, and then she had two sons from her second marriage. Are they hot? I don't know. I've never seen pictures of them. And, uh... Research! In 2005, the dwarf planet Eris was discovered... What does this have to do with her? Well, because the astronomer nicknamed it Xena. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> it was called Eris? And it's a planet? What is it? It's, it's a dwarf planet. We now move on to our next segment, Today in History. History. Is it a big one? No, not so much, right? Oh, uh, no, but these, well, these are two events that I found of interest. I wouldn't say they are big events, right. but they're of interest. First event is from 1886. Confederate, a former Confederate colonel named John Pemberton. He was wounded in the American Civil War and became addicted to morphine. But he also had a medical degree and began a quest to find a substitute for the drug. So in uh, on this date, he brewed the first batch of what he called at the time Pemberton's French Wine Coca Nerve Tonic. I love it. But eventually, it, what, what made his recipe stand out, because it was basically a copy of someone else's Coca wine recipe... He used the African cola nut as a, as the beverage's source of caffeine. And everybody knows about the African cola nut. So he combined coca and wine and wine com- and other ingredients to create this elixir, meant to cure headaches, among other uh, products. And what did it do instead? Well, what happened is, after the start of Prohibition, they removed the wine from the elixir. Okay. And they changed the name from Pemberton's French wine coca nerve tonic to... Coca-Cola. It's so terrible that they changed the name. It was marketed as the temperance drink. It was sold as a uh, as a patent medicine. That's why when you see pharmacies and they have the Coca-Cola, the, they have the they have the soda right. uh, things there. Oh, I get you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they had different soda and they had Coca-Cola there. And Pemberton claimed it was a cure for many diseases, including morphine addiction, indigestion, nerve orders, headaches, and impotence. Coca-Cola once contained an estimated 9 milligrams, I'm sorry, 9 milligrams of cocaine per glass. And that's the African coconut. Mm-hmm. But the co- African coconut? Yes, the African coca, the cola nut. Cola nut. But just for comparison's sake, a uh, typical line of cocaine has 50 to 70 milligrams. And the Coca-Cola would have? Had 9 milligrams per glass. All right, so... But it was enough. It was. It was fun. They removed. Fun. They me through the day. They actually removed the cocaine in 1903. But it also contains 34 milligrams of caffeine per 12 fluid ounces. Jesus, that's a lot of caffeine. I guess. Right. I don't know if a milligrams of caffeine. So today, like I said, it was the birth of Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. Today. Okay, good for them. Our next case you'll like because it involves a murder. I love murders. Well, this one's known as the Copenhagen Hypnosis Murder. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Wait a minute. I think we should tiptoe into this one. <laughs> want to tiptoe into it? I do. It. Go ahead. Okay. This happened back... This murder happened during on March 29th, 1951. Okay. What had happened, there were these two men named Pally Hardrup and Bjorn Nielsen. And they were in prison together. And while they were in prison, Nielsen 
was learning to manipulate Hardroop. He also learned to hypnotize him. It's so romantic. Go ahead. And basically, after this crime was committed, like guards and other prisoners would testify that, yeah, there were times when Hardroop looked like he was in complete trance. Who'd they kill? Well, what had happened was he somehow convinced Hardroop to commit a bank robbery. Okay. But I guess as part of his conditioning before the hypnosis and everything, I guess they talked about murder being justified in, in certain situations or whatever. Okay. So during this robbery, he ended up killing one of the cashiers and the, and the branch manager. Oh, that's too bad. And then he fled by bicycle. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, Patrick, if you have strong enough thighs, a bicycle can be a very... Uh, if you had a, and, a, and a good enough head start. I imagine a bicycle, easy to ditch... Just jump off the motherfucker, jump over that fence, there I am. Well, I don't know if he did that, but he went to a nearby, some nearby street, went to a building, and the police found him hiding under a stairwell. Of course they did. He tried to escape with a bicycle. Right. But uh, at the trial, they had this expert witness named Dr. Paul Ryder, who specifically spoke of the fact that a person can be hypnotized to do something the person would not normally do, as long as the act is, in that person's view, morally justified. So that's how he believed that Nielsen was able to convince Hardroop to do this because, and to commit murder while doing it. Because it was because this, the guy who hypnotized him said it was morally justifiable. Right. Exactly. So that's not the hypnotote that the hit the guy being hypnotized. It's not his moral code that matters. It's the guy who's doing the hypnotizing. If you're able to say this is morally acceptable, right? If you could do that as part of the hypnosis, and it takes then it's not about the guy getting hypnotized. Yeah. He has nothing to do with it. No. Was I on that jury? I should have been on that fucking jury. <laughs> Nielsen was found guilty, the hypnotizer. He okay. Was sentenced to life imprisonment. Okay. Hardrup was sentenced indefinitely to a mental institution. Which is probably fair. But they were both released in 1967. It's not really clear why they were released. Are they gay? But they were. Not that I know of. But Nielsen committed suicide in 1974, and Hardrup died in 2012. Wow. And the story was became a subject, a subject of a 2020 film called Murderous Trance, which is currently on Amazon Prime. Interesting. So I'm going to go look for that movie, okay, actually, right? Okay, Interesting could say, case. Could you say the guy who got hypnotized name again? It was Polly, P-A-L-L-E, Hardrup. H-A-R-D-R-U-P. Oh, I so wanted to be R-O-O-P. D-R-O-O-P. Hardroop. That's so I so wanted it to be that. All right. And lastly on this day in history, in 2004, the nations of Bulgaria, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Romania... Slovakia and Slovenia joined NATO as full members. And boy, I bet they're really glad they did. <laughs> First of all, I'd like to buy a vowel. <laughs> I'd like an I and an A, please. But I read that I was like, damn, they must be so happy they're in NATO right uh, now. It's, it's... We now move on to... What day is it? 88. Day 88, yes it is, but it's also a solemn day. It is National Vietnam War Veterans Day. Okay, should be more made of it, I suppose. Held on this day, because this day in 1973 was when the last U.S. combat troops were withdrawn from South Vietnam, 
following the Paris Peace Accords in January of that year. Okay. I don't know. You probably don't remember much about the Vietnam War. I was a kid through most of it, but by the time it ended, I was, what, 11 years old? I, it, it may be one of those environmental things. Like, it was it was on the television. It right. Was, uh, you know, I saw pictures of it on newspapers. I saw... Uh, it was in the environment. Did I follow it as closely as I probably should have at seven or eight years old? Probably not. Probably not, you know, because you're a kid. But I was... Well, see, I was aware of it because my oldest brother was of draft age. And, well, I, re- and I remember watching on TV, they had the draft lottery of calling the numbers. My I don't remember brother, that distinctly. My oldest brother was in the, in the Navy and served Vietnam. Okay. So there's that, but he doesn't really talk about it so much. I don't. I don't have any firsthand knowledge of that except for that I remember seeing. I could. I could paint for you, and I can't draw for shit. But I could paint for you that young guy in the helmet, in the in the hard helmet, is like one of the images of Vietnam. Oh, of course, yeah. I could paint him. I, I know. Exactly I know exactly what, what you like. mean. That picture. Yeah. But just to give a brief history. What had happened was the French had originally colonies in what they called French Indochina. And they were Indochina fighting... Indochina or Outdoor China? Uh, yeah. And, of course, 1949 was when the communists took over China. Of and course. they were, of course, trying to spread communism through other countries, including Vietnam. So you had the communists, basically, they were centered in power in North Vietnam, which was directly adjacent to China. And you had the non-communists in South Vietnam. So the country got divided up, and the U.S. basically assumed military and financial support for the South Vietnamese government. In 1959, there were 1,000 military advisors there. Oh, dear. By 1964, there were 23,000. After the August 1964 Gulf of Tonkin incident, troop levels escalated to 184,000. For those of you who don't know what the Gulf of Tonkin incident was, what had happened was some Vietnamese, I guess, quick, you know, whatever those those little fast boats attacked U.S. ships, and that was kind of like brushed off a bit. It wasn't really reported heavily. And then, though, somehow through some miscommunications, it was believed that a second attack occurred. Who so, did the second one? No one. There was no second attack. It was uh, just basically a misreporting of the first attack again. Okay. But, unfortunately, it got totally twisted. And before you know it, Lyndon Johnson got a blank check from the U.S. Congress to increase the troop levels. There. And how did that work out? Well, after the 1968 Tet Offensive, in which there was a whole campaign of surprise attacks across South Vietnam... Support for the war began to fade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who was behind those attacks in South Vietnam? That was uh, the, the, the Viet Cong. Which were the North Vietnamese in disguise. Who were they? They were basically North Vietnamese and South Vietnamese communists. Okay, okay. All right, so they could have been native to South Korea. Yes. South Vietnam. Yes. Because I got to tell you, the Korea-Vietnam thing confuses me, and the North and South thing doesn't help. Okay. <laughs> well, you don't have to worry about it anymore, because South Vietnam is now one country. Is it okay? So, well, which I'm going to get to in this brief description of everything. Brief. This is brief. This is brief. So, when Nixon, life is brief. When Nixon was elected in '72, he got re-elected in '72. He then began peace negotiations, and I said peace accords were reached in January of 1973. With who? With the North Vietnamese government, supported by the Chinese. Yes. Yes. Eventually, then, like I said, we withdrew in January of 1973, 
and the peace accord was soon broken, and by 1975, Saigon, the capital of South Vietnam, fell, and Vietnam was fully reunited in 1976. All right, so you know what you're doing? You're edging, because you're going just far enough, and then stop it, and stop it with the information. Well, I was going to continue, but you interrupted me. No, because you're past what I want to know. What's that? Okay, so you go back to the Tet Offensive. Yes. Okay, tell me when you're there. Okay, I'm okay. back to the Tet Offensive. Okay, so so the Tet Offensive. Yes. And then Nixon. Yes. Okay, so Nixon comes in and he says what? That he's going to bring peace and he's going to turn the war over to the Vietnamese. They called it Vietnamization or something like that. Okay, so he gives over control to the to the North Vietnamese communists. No, to the South Vietnamese communists. To the South Vietnamese communists. Yes, no, the South Vietnamese are not communists. They're not communists. No. So, okay, so he withdraws the troops... Eventually, they're withdrawn in 1973 under the peace accords. And then, how did the peace accord get broken? Who broke it? Probably, the, I, I don't know the whole history, but I think it was the North Vietnamese who broke it. And so you don't know how? Probably by attacking something. Attacking something, yeah, yeah, That's yeah. That's how you break a peace accord. Of course, but you would think that it would be some sort of like the attack at Yorktown or the attack well, at, you know. Well, the whole thing is, I mean, even after this all happened, they went into Laos and Cambodia, took over those countries... And then you had the communist group there, the Khmer Rouge, which then began the Cam- uh, Cambodian genocide. And where are those places now? Well, now they're no... Well, Cambodia, no, I don't think, is no longer a communist country. They uh, they were thrown out a while ago. Laos, I don't think, is a communist country anymore. Vietnam, I believe, is still a communist country. Okay. I hear Vietnam is beautiful. Yes, it is. From pictures I've seen, it's yeah, very beautiful. beautiful. But... More than 3 million Americans served in this war, about half of whom saw actual combat. The peak number of troops was 543,000 in April of 1969. I have another question. Yes? What was the population of Vietnam? I don't know. Go ahead. (laughs) The U.S. suffered over 58,000 soldiers dead and over 150,000 wounded. Approximately 830,000 vets suffered some form of post-traumatic stress disorder. And the average age of the soldier was 23. What I think Mm -hmm. the Vietnam veterans want you to focus on is how they were treated when they got home. Oh, when they got home, they were treated terribly. They were not greeted as heroes. They were greeted as murderers back then because of the overwhelming anti-war sentiment, you know? In the United States. And... It didn't help. You had the My Lai Massacre, which didn't help. It And it was just, it was just a war that was... It was the longest war we, we've been involved in until... Until Afghanistan. Until Afghanistan. Not a, not a pretty moment in any way for us. But this, was, of course, was during the whole Cold War. Where it was us against the commies, you know? Yes, ab- and we absolutely. tried to fight them and stop them everywhere. Right. And this was a part of it. And it basically, it, it changed the nation, this war. It really did. It changed uh, the nation. Yeah. But... The veterans have not been forgotten. In Washington, D.C., a memorial, the Vietnam Vest Memorial, was established in 1982. It's a beautiful wall. Have you ever been to it? I've never been to it. It's a really, really beautiful memorial. It's a beautiful wall, all the names. All the names. It's quite touching to see. I actually saw, I was witness to, when they, in 1985, New York City dedicated the Vietnam Veterans Plaza down in Lower Manhattan. Okay. And they had a whole big parade for the Vietnam vets that went all the way down to the plaza. Huh. And I went down there, and it's this, what it is, the, the, the pl- it's this big open plaza. They have these 12 granite pylons that has the names of the 1,700 New Yorkers who died in Vietnam. 
And then there's also this whole big wall, these translucent glass blocks, and they have engraved in it letters from soldiers, poems, diary entries, news headlines. That's beautiful. It really was. And I, when I went down there on that day, I, I followed the parade down to it. Right. And just, you know, seeing the vets down there hugging and crying, it was quite a sight. It really was. They had to fight too hard, those people, those nope. veterans. They had to fight for recognition from the country they fought for. Yes, they did. And that's a shame. Yeah, it is that's a shame. A, that's a it's a it's a it's a shameful mark. Now But I think we learned from that too and that hasn't happened since. Now you gotta give a, a guy in uniform your seat on the subway. Of course. And if you if you see somebody in uniform and don't thank them for their service, you're rude. Yeah, right? So there's a complete cultural complete shock yeah, cultural yeah. turnaround on that. Yeah. I think those people should be given free everything for the rest of their lives. They should come home to a house well, just so you know, as of 2013, this is the latest statistics I could find, the U.S. was paying veterans and their families more than $22 billion a year in war-related claims. That's a lot That's of a lot cash. of fucking money. But I think everybody, certainly anybody who's injured, but anybody who serves, front line, gun in hand, facing, you know, the guy, mm-hmm. when they come home, a house, free food, health care, right? The rest of their life, they are set. They, all they have to do is their little tinkering hobby thing. They can get a job if they want, but they should They should be... It's a shameful thing. I know. The way we treat those people. Yes, shameful. it is. Yes, it is. We now move on to our next segment, wherein we take a look into my briefs. Oh, God, there's a <clears> lot. <throat> Actually, I only pick, picked one, because there's probably more to cover in another segment. Oh. But I concentrated on one legal case that came up in this past week. All right. I was completely focused instead on her. Yeah, this I think this case made headlines the first day, and you really didn't hear much more about it. It's, okay, really, yeah. it's because it was probably more of interest in the legal lawyers being people like me who love this shit. The legal lawyers. But what happened was this involved the Supreme Court and Wisconsin's electoral districts. What had happened was the governor, which was a Democrat, and the legislature, which was Republican-dominated, they could not agree on the maps for the after the 2020 census. So the Wisconsin Supreme Court stepped in the referee, and they allowed them to submit maps, each side, but they agreed that they would buy by a rule that they would select a map that made the fewest changes to the current plan. So applying that standard, the judge ended up adopting the governor's plan. And in the plan, there were before the way it was already gerrymandered to, for Republican domination. But there were six districts set up for 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 black uh, majority black. This plan that was approved increased the number from six to seven districts. Oh, can't have that. Republicans, of course, appealed the decision, saying that it constituted an illegal 21st century racial gerrymander. Now the thing was, when they were taking this, doing this, they weren't really taking race into account. They were just trying to do the district, with, the, the district map with the least amount of changes. And I guess this satisfied them at the time. But the uh, the court agreed. The Supreme Court agreed with the Republicans who challenged it. And what they claimed was the governor had put forth insufficient evidence that the plan would violate the Voting Rights Act. And then it fa- it faulted the judge who presided over all this, for not considering the Equal Protection Clause arguments. Okay. The, judge did, the judge didn't consider it because it wasn't neither mandate. side was arguing Equal Protection Clause arguments. Right. They were just trying to do this to accommodate everyone. So the Supreme Court was imposing this duty on his judge that wasn't there. Right, okay. And not only that, they violated their own l- rule. Because I don't know if you remember a while ago, we had a case with Alabama having a challenge in which they, I guess, Republicans challenged the changes to the electoral map. Is Alabama still a thing? 
What do you mean? Is like, Alabama still It's still a place. It's still it's there. Still it's state. still a yes. yes. Any listeners from there? Yeah. Uh, yes, there are. Quite a few. Really? Mobile, Alabama. We are very, very popular. Are you shitting me? I am serious. Wasn't Alabama one of the places that I wanted that we never got? Yep. And we got Alabama? And we got, we're very, very popular in Mobile area. And you never told me. I'm sorry. I thought I had told you. Sorry, Alabama. Anyway. Fucking love Alabama. Anyway, in Alabama, there was a challenge to the new electoral map, and the Supreme Court said, this election is, the primary election is three months away, it's too close for you to be changing the map. So you can't change the map. On this one, the uh, the parties, I guess, you know, the Wisconsin Electoral Commission said, you need to make a decision on this by March 15th, because if you don't, we can't guarantee... The integrity of these elections. Oh, Jesus. But they issued a decision on March 23rd and basically say no, and they basically rule that they either have to go back to the original map or they have to defend the map that the governor put forth that they agreed upon. Which is already past the March 15th deadline. And the thing is, their election is four and a half months away, but it's okay to screw with their elections, but not with Alabama. Well, and gee, I wonder why, because in both instances, the Republicans benefit. Yeah. That's why. Yeah, yeah. They and look where you talk about Wisconsin and Alabama, which are Republican places. And the worst part of it is the court issued this decision on its shadow docket, which means it was unsigned. But you can uh, you can almost guarantee the vote was six to three. I love the whole idea of a shadow cabinet. Well, that's a whole different. That's in Britain. They I do love that. That's a great I idea. I think too. That. Me too. I love that also. There's something about a shadow court. A movie, a book, one of these. Well, that's what people are complaining about this whole, that the court's using the shadow docket to issue these major decisions. And it's like, what are you fucking doing? So what do you mean it wasn't signed? It's an unsigned decision. You don't know who, there's a short opinion written. You don't know who wrote it. You don't know what judges voted which way on this. And there are no dissents allowed? Oh, there were dissents. Sotomayor wrote a dissent and Kagan joined in. Okay. And and she basically said that this decision was unprecedented un, and unnecessary. So and it, and the, like, the, the court is totally disregarding its own rules. The dissent was signed. She signed it, yeah. But the order wasn't. Nope. And the order's standing. Mm-hmm. So the Supreme Court can issue an order without telling you who, what, when, where, Generally, why. when they issue these orders, they're on matters of minor consequence. They're not on matters that... Or of major significance like this one. Uh, That's affecting an election, you know? Well, I, I understand what you mean. But to me, if it's before the Supreme Court, it's of major consequence. Yes. Even if it's overly technical and dry enough to make me go to sleep, it's still important enough to have reached the Supreme Court in the first place. So a shadow thing is kind of fucked up to me. Yeah, I know. It's fu- it's fucked up for a lot of people. There is no, you know, little things, little decisions that they make. They're not deciding whether or not there should be a stoplight in the corner of Main and Fifth. They're, like I said, th- this is part of the reason why the court is losing its credibility with right. the American public. Because of these machinations okay. are engaging so, in. So, what's next? So, that's the story on that. We're going to move on to our next segment, because it's a big one. The Week in Fascism! Fascism. What did you find out? There was a lot. First of all, yesterday... Governor DeSantis, this, I'm sorry, Governor DeSantis, signed the, oh, the Don't, say, don't gay say Gay Bill, making it official now. Okay. So... Can't teach kindergarten to third graders about gay, transgender, lifestyle at all, but if it happens to come up casually in conversation, you could deal with it. Maybe. Maybe. We don't know yet. 
We don't know yet. That's what NPR told me last night, but I, I don't know. I don't. I didn't research it. They're going to look for any reason they can to persecute people under this law. Yeah. Because don't, so people don't forget about this law. It gives parents the right to bring a cause of action in court right. under this law. Right. It's like... Parents crazy. I remember the days when Republicans were against lawyers and litigation, litigating everything. Well, until they but now that they've they... stacked the judges everywhere, now it's litigate everything now, well, you know? Uh, you know you know why? Because they got the judges. Uh, just disgust me. But also, a big story that came out last week... Ginny Thomas. Oh, I love this. And her notorious messages to Trump's chief of staff leading up to the January 6th insurrection. You know why I love this? Why do you love this? Because this is the ultimate Karen story. (laughs) This is the ultimate I'm going to speak to the manager story. Well, I don't think she's she's more than just a Karen. She's she's a power player in D.C. She's a beast. She's a power player. She's, She's a, a lobbyist for yes. many, many groups down she there. She has passed. She has gotten her way and done many things, and she had, uh, and she fully expected the same was going to happen here. She fully expected this was going to go her way here. Yes, she did. And well, that's the thing. I mean, first of all, one of the things I was reading about when they say when people generally when they become a Supreme Court justice, their spouse, depending on their job will quit their job. Uh-huh. So this way there's no appearance of impropriety involving who they may have worked with or anything like that. She's never done that. Mm-mm. She's kept on doing what she's been doing. And unfortunately, the Supreme Court has no judicial code of ethics. It applies, The code of ethics applies to every other judge in this country except the Supreme Court, which is just ridiculous in itself. I'm sorry, it really is. And now this this, this committee wants to subpoena her. Which I'm all in favor of. They have to subpoena her. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a touchy thing. You're, you're you're subpoenaing a Supreme Court justice, because then what happens if she contests it, and then it goes to the federal court system, and then it goes before the Supreme Court? Would Thomas recuse himself? We don't know. Probably not, because he has not recused himself on any of the cases of parties for which Ginny Thomas was a lobbyist. This. I think I read some today about they have to if it's about if it's with their spouse. They're supposed to. No, I think they have to. Like I said, there's no code of ethics. There is no law demanding a judge recuse himself, a, a Supreme Court justice recuse himself from a case under specific circumstances. Mm. There's nothing in nothing in the law about that at all. Nothing in the code of ethics. Then I heard wrong. So, you know, people are saying that, you know, should he recuse himself from cases involving Trump in January 6th? Yes. Which I say yes. Other people are saying, should he resign? And I'm like, yeah, he should. He won't. He won't, but he should. Because, I'm I'm sorry, your wife is this active in politics. Even in one of the, the messages that she sent to the chief of staff, she refers to her best friend and her... her I forget what the illusion was. And she and Tom, she and her husband call each other their best friend mm-hmm. all the time. I'm sorry. He, he should resign. He really should. He won't. But he won't. But like I said, it's because of situations like this that further deteriorate from the court's reputation. Oh, you know? Bob. It just, it, it's, it's, a, it's a shame. It really is a shame it's what's happening. It's all theater now. Yeah. Lastly, was it lastly? How much do I have? Oh, no, it's not lastly. Our next item under This Week in Fascism takes us to Austin, Texas. 
Oh, it's supposed to be really nice there. Well, Austin's the school district there from, uh, was it, March 21st to the 26th, their schools celebrate Pride Week. Okay. Early. Basically, well, they want to highlight inclusion okay. for, all, for all students. And they do this whole big week-long thing. They have, you know, uh, informational things. Well, I'll tell you more as we go on. The Texas Attorney General wrote a letter to the school uh, superintendent for the Austin Independent School District, warning them that the district might be breaking state law. He says that the school district has, quote, at best undertaken a week-long instructional effort in human sexuality without parental consent. Or worse, your district is cynically pushing a week-long indoctrination of your students that not only fails to obtain parental consent, but suddenly cuts parents out of the loop. When he tweeted about this, he wrote, because he shared the letter on Twitter, of course, but on Twitter he, he referred to LGBTQ people and their allies as deceptive sexual propagandists and predators. Yeah, we're after the kids. Well, we're, we're geniuses. We're geniuses at mind control and turning people from one thing to another. Right. But we can't win an election. Yeah, I know. Stop it. Just go sit down over there and be quiet. Yeah. Because you're ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Well, the school superintendent... Indoctrination. The Pledge of Allegiance is indoctrination, for fuck's sake. I know. Indoctrination, my hairy ass. Anyway, the school superintendent, Stephanie Elizalde, she tweeted out, I want all of our LGBTQIA plus students to know that we are proud of them and they will we will protect them against political attacks. They held Pride Week anyway. Which was their job. Good for her, good for them. And like I said, it emphasized inclusion. We did not discuss sex. Events at various schools in the district included students bringing in pictures of their families to highlight different family structures. They're thinking that these kids are being taught how to put a condom on, when to use the lubrication, how many fingers you should use to make sure he's loose enough, I know. how to make sure you douche correctly when the water one's clear. One school had, they showed an episode of Queer Eye that actually featured the school district. <laughs> the week culminated in a Prides Out event at one school that was basically part party and part resource fair. Kids engaged in face painting, they had live music, tables were set up with rainbow paraphernalia, they had an author read his children's book about Betty White, P. Flay handed out literature, and the event concluded with a performance by some of the most popular drag queens in the Austin area. Anyway, the district hadn't received any complaints from any Austin parents or anything, but it got a deluge of hate mail from around the country. Yeah. So badly that they had a pride parade at one of the schools, they had moved it inside the school, and then they brought on additional uh, police Yeah. as a precaution. That's but crazy, right? good for the Austin school district. Good for Superintendent Elizalde. So that was one good thing about this week in fascism. Well, okay. The other highlight, some good news for a change, in a 44-page ruling, a federal judge found that it was more likely than not that former President Donald Trump violated the law and, quote, corruptly attempted to obstruct Congress in his attempts to overturn the 2020 election results. Which, if you translate that into English, means, Merrick Garland, what the fuck are you doing? Mm Mm-hmm. That was my take. Is like that's your that's your call. That's your cue, Merrick. You know what is he doing? Well, let's. Well, first we got to talk about this case first because it's not a case involving Trump directly. What had happened was there was that attorney John Eastman. Right. He had drawn up that whole memo about how to do how to overturn the election results. Right, 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 right. The January sixth Select Committee 
has been seeking documents and testimony from Eastman related to his work, and they issued subpoenas. And he sued to block the documentary release, release and claimed that some of his communications were shielded by attorney-client privilege. Right, right, right. There were basically 111 documents in dispute. The judge, David Carter, he rejected Eastman's arguments and ordered that 101 of the documents be released to the committee. Okay. What he said was, under the law, the attorney-client privilege does not apply to communications made to further an ongoing or future crime or fraudulent activity. Ouch. In this case, the alleged attempts to obstruct Congress overturn the election. Carter described their plan as, quote, a coup in search of a legal theory. Oh, Jesus. Which spurred violent attacks on the seat of our nation's government, led to the deaths of several law enforcement officers, and deepened public distrust in our political process. Where's the lie? So that was like, yes, this judge who's not, who only has a limited view of the evidence presented to him on this one aspect of the case, reached this conclusion. This is a signal. Where is Merrick Garland? And yes, we know the FBI is still investigating, but you know what? It's been a year and three months now. What are you doing? What are you fucking doing? Are you are you going to wait till the day before election day to announce you're going to make a, a, a arrests? Unless he's a complete genius and knows that sometime July August he's going to be able to swoop in and do all this ironclad. Well, see, I mean, I don't know if he's waiting till after the one six has their their public hearings. I don't know what he's waiting for. The one six hearings could go on. They're gonna they're gonna wait to see if they can put together those seven hours, those eight hours. This could go on for years. And that's what they're hoping is to run out the clock, right? Because, like I said, the one six committee, if the Republicans take back control of uh, the House of Representatives, that committee is gone. Right. Garland, of course, still has two more years, and at least until twenty twenty four. To bring criminal charges. He has his term. Will a Republican Congress allow his investigation to continue? They'll have no choice. That's, have, that's, that's, he's part of the executive, executive branch. branch. So he has. they have no control over that. Okay, except the checks and balances, which they... Well, they'll be now. constantly pulling him before Congress now to question him about what he's doing. That's what they're going to do. And then they're going to try to shit on his investigation. Right, we, we, right, right. we already know what the, what the game card is, you know? Yeah. <sighs> I just hope it doesn't turn into Mueller. Well, what I'm hoping is, because the perception has been that for some reason that the presidency is untouchable. Yeah. That we don't pursue criminal charges against our presidents. Yeah, that's just wrong. And I think that's bullshit. This is not a wholly sanctified office. It's a politician elected to serve our country. It's, It's sort of written in. It's sort of the point of the whole process. Was that we didn't want to have the king? We've been told no man is above the law. Above, above, now, is it true? It's a, it's not true. I mean, and yes, are there other presidents within our lifetime who could have been brought up on criminal charges or at least impeached? Yes, I can, I can think of any number for any number of reasons who could have been brought down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. George W. Bush for the second Iraq war. The war criminal. Obama for the drone warfare that he was engaging in. Basically, taking out people using uh, drones. Yeah, yeah. I can name I can, any That's number a very of things. Clean way to do it, though. If you've got to assassinate somebody, you don't want to blow up the building. You just want to get that guy who's getting into his car. But see, it always killed me, especially with the second Iraq war, that when Obama got in, I, I swear they must have made a deal that, no, we're not going to pursue any charges against the Bush administration for this illegal war. This, you there's know? a political argument to be made about not going after the, your immediate predecessor. 
Yes, there is an there is an argument to be made. There's, I mean, there's all sorts of things. That but like, maybe he found that information that that they keep from us that made that changed his mind and said, "Holy shit!" Maybe. But I read this Twitter uh, comment today by Lawrence Tribe. He's a constitutional scholar. He should have been, who should have been on the Supreme Court. And he basically said, you know, everyone's saying, you know, that you know, what do we do about this? And like, yeah, we don't know what to do about this because it's never happened before. We've never had a president try to overturn the election results before. So let's not treat this like it's some sanctimonious thing that, oh, what do we do? Well, let's, not, let's not do anything. No. no we, you we, gotta do something. Yeah, I agree with that. You gotta do something. If you don't, then there goes the rule of law. Yeah, oh, you I know? And it, what I disagree with is that it's something we've never seen before. It's something that we've never dealt with politically in terror before. Yeah. As a country. We've seen it happen a hundred times. Yeah. We know what this is. I know. We know what this is. I know. But some people, just, I think they're just they're unwilling to admit it yet. Ay. We're going to now move on to a more happier topic in We Like to Watch. And of course, the, the big topic of today is the 94th Academy Awards presentation. Which I did not watch. You did not watch. I'll tell you a bit about it in some of the highlights of the show. Okay. Overall, it was a good show. Okay. Usually, I haven't watched... Too many of the Academy Awards in recent years because they just dragged and dragged and dragged. This show, it ran long, three hours and 42 minutes, but until the infamous slap, it seemed to be moving, actually, at a good clip. You know, the show didn't get boring. It okay. kept you entertained, even with the bad bits. It kept moving and everything. It's it got to be bad. It was moving at a clip. The show in the, the beginning, the opening I loved, and the opening in yellow with Beyonce. I have questions about that. Why? Where was that? In the, in the you know, the, the, the end when they pull out and you see. It's in a neighborhood, basically. set in a neighborhood that they, looks like they took a, like a basketball court. On the corner. Yeah. You know, in some neighborhood. Not not a big park, just a sort of corner lot. And put up yellow walls in it and stadium lighting and and had her dance. She's fantastic. I want, in a future life, to be her guard belt. (laughs) That was fantastic. She was great. It was fantastic. She did. She did the corner belt great was number. fantastic. Okay, I was. I <laughs> I loved the top of the dress, not so much the rest of it. Okay, the skirt, and then I understood that the skirt was because of the garter belt. Yes, that was some fantastic shit right there. Yes, it was. Okay, <laughs> so we need a second. Beyonce's garter belt. Beyonce's garter belt. All right, now you can move on. Fantastic. This year, for the first time, the show had three hosts, Regina Hall and Amy Schumer and uh, Wanda Sykes. I don't know from Regina Hall. Okay. I, I, I wasn't that familiar with her work either. I, I don't but she, know was a, she, she was an amiable host, I thought. She was beautiful. She actually got grief over this one comedy bit they were doing. It was about COVID and, oh, you have to be retested again. And she tried to call up all these different handsome-looking men. And two of them were uh, Josh Brolin and Jason Momoa. And before you know it, she's doing a pat-down on them, down their legs and everything. Okay. People got offended by that. All right, fuck you. First of all, if that was a woman, you know, if, if that was a man patting down a woman like that, oh, oh, oh. Well, no it funny. was. It was Regina Hall patting down Jason Momoa. And you know what? I wasn't offended. I wish I was Regina Hall at that moment. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure Jason Momoa had no complaints. She was a beautiful woman who seemed to me to be, the, of the three of them, the straight guy. You need the straight guy. 
It's a comedy bit. A, yeah. Uh, no, when I'm, and the, in general, the way they, like, the way comedy was distributed between the three of them. Yeah. Well, that's the like, Amy Schumer, she got, like, a four or five minute monologue. And, Which was good, really and she did a good job. It was, it was very funny, I thought. I wish Wanda Sykes had gotten a monologue. See, I, I you said, you mentioned this before when you were forcing the clips on me. Because <laughs> um, you know what they gave Wanda? They gave her this film clip of her basically touring the new Academy Awards Museum. It was like an infomercial. Okay. It was like, come on, we can do better than was that. Was she funny? It was okay. It wasn't great. What'd they do yeah. for the other one? For the other one, they had doing this bit with she was doing this bit with Regina Hall. They were doing this kind of giveaway thing. It really didn't work. All right. So all. Amy got the, the, the monologue. They had one funny bit where they came out in various costumes of various movie characters. Amy Schumer came out one point in a Spider Man costume. Okay, that was been more fun. On the on the wires. Oh God! <laughs> so, but overall, they did a good job as hosts. They really did. All right, so good for them. What I was mad about, I know they 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 said they were going to omit like how many awards, like four awards, eight awards. Eight. They didn't technically omit them. They basically truncated the whole presentation and acceptance speech. Each of the each of those recipients got a got a chance to give their speech recorded and edited. Yep, exactly. That's what they got. Which was more than I expected. What really bothered me, though, because they haven't televised these for years now, is they do not televise the governor the governor's awards, which are basically the lifetime achievement awards, and they do not televise the Gene Herschel Humanitarian Award. Yeah, those are those are uh, those, those are big awards. They should be televised. They also and this year's recipients, the Gene Herschel Humanitarian Award, went to Danny Glover. Yeah, the governor's awards. There was reference to Samuel Jackson getting it. The other ones were Elaine May and Liv Ullman. Yeah. I would have loved to have seen tributes to them. Yeah. You know, getting those awards. Which, that would have been worth it. But instead, they stuck this James Bond anniversary tribute on there, which, like, we didn't really need that. Yeah. You know? We didn't need that. They also had the In Memoriam. Yeah, this is what you forced me to watch. Yeah, which became the In Memoriam Revival Hour. It, it, it was... Because the, the your focus went to this choir or chorus, and yes, you had a screen above them with the people who died going by ever so briefly. They sang a, me a medley of songs that were like kind of like mellow in the beginning. The, the choice of songs was suspect. Well, when they picked "Spirit in the Sky," Norman yeah. Greenbaum song, I'm like, yeah. you gotta be kidding me. Yeah, it was. It was. I tell you what, what I saw a fantastic choir. They were sounding great. They 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 were beautiful. Mm -hmm. They should not have been front and center lit. No. If you're gonna have them on stage, which I'm all for, singing the shit live. Because if, if they have had other performers, solo performers, do the in memoriam. I got, with the, and it's on the it's they focus on the dead people, not on the singer. Well, if you if you put if you put. Amy Winehouse in a spotlight all the way downstage right in singing, and you could still have the huge image of Stephen Sondheim and Ed Asner yep. and uh, whoever else they forgot, and that'd still be the focus. You can't do that with 25 people. How many people in that choir? I know. Be 20 people. Right. They, they're going to require space. Uh, they should have been behind a screened image silhouetted silhouetted onto uh, onto a screen that was in front of them that portrayed the people who were dying and lift the screen every now and again right and let me see these people 
Because they were good. I, they were very good. Ooh. But I didn't need to be watching a concert. I agree with you. It, you was, it was badly thought out. They, they pulled focus. Yep. Basically what they did. Yes, they did. I was also not happy because this is my own personal bias. When Billie Eilish, who performed there as well, won the best song for, I think, The World Is Mine from James, James Bond movie. Okay. I don't like Billie Eilish. I think she's such an overrated singer. She's another one of these breathy singers. Oh, I think she's fantastic. Uh, yeah, I don't care for her. Don't care for her at all. Sorry. Okay, no, I'm not, I'm not personally insulted. No. I was glad to see that Rachel Ziegler was finally there as a presenter. That, the best thing that ever happened to Rachel Ziegler was being ignored by the Oscars. Well, yeah, well the, the, the best thing that happened to her was speaking up that she was being exactly. ignored. Well, that's, the, that's, the, <laughs> that's what that personality did with the... With the and training. she was up there, I forget exactly what she said, but she handled she it well. Great. It was she very was, smart was, and graceful. Was, now, now, did, did DuBois win? Yes, she did. She did win. Right. Yes, I was going to start getting into that. The awards now... Yeah, Ariana DeBose won the Best Supporting Actress Oscar for her role as Anita in West Side Story. She was fantastic. She is the first openly queer person of color to win an Academy Award. All right. And with Rita Moreno, they became the third pair of actors to win an Oscar for the same role in different films. Do you know who the other two pairs of actors are? Oh, I was going to say, you're leaving out half the information here. The other two for the same role... In different films. In different films. One of them is easy. One I had to look up. There are two different instances of both actresses winning awards for the same actor. Well, they're actors. These are two pairs of actors. I can tell actors. you that much. This I is won't. the first pair of actresses that have done this. Okay. The way the night sounded like it went, it was very sort of 007 heavy. Not all of it, but it's some of it, yeah. I can't imagine <clears throat> 007, those actors ever winning awards. For playing James Bond. I don't think so, no. <laughs> so so that's... What I'm thinking of is that there's a bunch of serial films where where people play different... I don't, I don't know the answer to this question. The answer is Marlon Brando and Robert De Niro for playing Don Corleone in Godfather 1 and Godfather 2. Okay. Okay. The second one pair is Heath Ledger and Joaquin Phoenix for, for the playing Joker. the Joker. Okay. So those are the three pairs... That's pretty Ariana amazing. and Rita became the third pair on Sunday night. She was so good in that fucking She was movie. fantastic. She was so good. Oh my good god, in she that really movie. was. It's a great fucking part. Right? It's a great role. Yeah. Everybody who's ever played it has won the Academy Award for playing yeah, it. Right? Yeah, it's just a fantastic part. It's yeah. A, it's good for her. I loved that movie. I loved that movie. Yeah, I thought it was great. I want to apologize for it. I, I'm I'm very upset that that from what my understanding is that Tick Tick Boom made sort of no kind of showing at all. Yeah, and there was got nothing, and there was absolutely nothing for In the Heights. No, I don't even think it was nominated for. I anything. don't think it was. It came out very early. I think yeah, I don't think it was even. Nominated. I loved that movie. I thought that movie was great in the Heights. But also, uh, Jane Campion became the first woman to win Best Director in a second consecutive year. Oh, I have woman, no idea who she is, but go for her. She was the director of Power of the Dog. Okay, didn't see it. I I, I saw that movie recently. I'm glad it did not win Best Picture. Uh, what won Best Picture? Coda. Coda with the deaf guy. Yeah, with the deaf actors, yes. Coda won Best Picture. That saw- scene, there's supposed to be a scene in that movie where he, he has a hearing daughter, the family's deaf except for a daughter. Right. The daughter brings home a boyfriend and they interrupt the parents having sex and the father insists that this is the time now to tell her about about uh, preventing pregnancy. Oh, God. And, and, <laughs> and 
horrifying to begin with. Oh, Hello. No. Now I got my boyfriend here. But that, that scene was so hysterically fucking funny. Uh, and he won. Yeah. He, he Didn't he win? Who? The guy who played. Who? No, because Will Smith won. Yeah, Will Smith won. Yeah. A best supporting actor. A best supporting actor was Troy Kotsur from CODA. Was he the father? <laughs> I don't, I haven't seen the movie. I don't know. Okay. I haven't seen it because it's on Apple TV. We don't have Apple TV. I have Apple TV, but I swear to God, if Apple and if Apple and fucking Amazon don't find a way to agree, I know, Amazon right? And Google, uh, Apple and Google don't find a way to agree. I don't use Apple TV because I can only watch it on my laptop screen. Yeah, and I don't like that. I don't like watching TV on my laptop. I don't blame you. I, watch I don't TV blame you. On my TV, I'm old. But Coda was the first Best Picture winner to be distributed by a streaming service. Really? Yeah. First one. Coda, huh? Who's yep. Strom? Who's Strom? 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 Stream? Strom? What? Who streamed? I guess it's streamed. Apple TV. Apple TV streamed. Yep. Did, they, did they make it? Yeah. Oh, it was an Apple TV original? Yep. Movie? They made it? Wow. As far as I know, they made it, yeah. They produced it, I guess, yeah. But that was the big Best Picture winner, and Troy Kotsur was the first male deaf actor to win an Oscar. He was the father. He must have yep. been the father. Molly Matten, of course, was the very first deaf actor to win an Oscar. Four. It was for Children of a Lesser God. Right. She was excellent in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, Power of the Dog was the first film since 1968's The Graduate to win Best Director, but no other awards. That was the only award that film That's won. That's interesting. Who directed The the Graduate? The, I don't remember who directed The Graduate. It may have been Mike Nichols. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I think it was Mike Nichols. So this woman has won two years in a row Best Director. It's so weird that someone wins Best Director, but then the film does not win Best Picture. I seem to remember that happening once or twice. It does. It has happened a couple of times. I think it happens a lot on Broadway. It definitely, didn't um, Fosse win for... The Godfather, and then some other picture won Best Picture, or is it the other way around? I don't remember now. I don't. Well, Klaus had nothing to do with the Godfather. I mean, Cabaret. Well, Cabaret was the Triple Crown year. Yeah, he, he won. He won Emmy, Tony, and, and right. Oscar that year. Yes. Okay, but I, th- I think he won Best Director for Cabaret. But the movie. But didn't Godfather, win. I think, or whatever okay. film was against one Best Picture. That's what okay. I, I, I could be wrong about that. I bet that pissed off the Coppola's. <laughs> But uh, what else did I want to note, of course? And, of course, at the end of the show, Lady Gaga brought out That Liza, was fantastic. Which part. I love. Uh, Stephen was saying that, so many people saying, oh, well, she looked so much better weeks ago in an interview she did, but we don't know when the interview was filmed. And, come on, the lady's old, so she doesn't look so good in a wheelchair. They were paying Big deal. to her. She didn't seem to care. She was out there in public, you know? And, and she got confused at the at the teleprompter, so Gaga leaned over to her and gave us all that And moment. said, I got you. Yep. That's fantastic. That yeah. is fantastic. Yeah. And, you know, so, so they bring out this old woman. It's not the first feebly old woman they have trotted out onto the Academy Awards stage. Well, what also they did, they also brought out a reunion of... Uh, Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, and Francis Ford Coppola to present an award. Okay, see, I think those three men are all the same person. Because <laughs> I've never seen them all in the same room before. And then they brought together John Travolta, Uma Thurman, and Samuel Jackson Samuel to present Jackson. an award. All right. And John and Uma even danced a little bit I mean, stage. Gaga and Liza have absolutely no connection. <laughs> what? Oh, no, of they course have, not. Uh, Gaga and Liza have absolutely no connection. Well, I think Gaga, is just, she's a big respecter of the history before her, you yes. know? She knows upon she really whose is. shoulders she stands. Yeah. Uh, and she's a respectful girl, a uh, woman. Yeah, woman. She's, you know, <laughs> she's got that nice, that, that good Italian warmth running through her, Stephanie. Yep. Stephanie, she's got four names. 
Tell me what's next. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> we're now going to talk about the one aspect of the Oscar uh, show that we haven't discussed yet. The slap heard round Hollywood. I don't know. Joan Collins, Joan Crawford always did it better. Joan Collins and what's her name did it on Dynasty the whole time. It was, it was very much like that to me. I remember sitting up watching it and watching Will Smith get up and it's like, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I tweeted right away. What the fuck was that, Will Smith? Yeah. And then you couldn't hear what was being said. They blanked out the video, the audio at that point. Because they had to. It's so you had to, wait about, you had to wait about a half an hour later to find out what, what was said. What was said. It was a shocking moment. A lot of people thought it was, uh, it was, staged, it was staged initially. I don't believe it was staged at all. Because one of the things people said, like, where was security? No security. Came yeah, and, and it was what forty minutes later he was awarded the best actor. It was, yeah, it was a long time, certainly enough time to remove him from the building. Well, that's what people are saying. And why didn't they do anything? They he needed to be removed. And supposedly I read a story that the academy members met for like a half an hour to discuss what they were going to do, and they they were divided over it and decided to do nothing. See now, in my what I heard was that the Academy members who would have made that decision were so separated from each other in the building, in the okay. physical space, yeah. that they could not get together in enough time to make a decision. Then you hear that 40 minutes later, he appears on, uh, 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 Will Smith appears on stage to accept the Best Actor of the Year award. Yeah. Okay, so now, a couple of weeks ago, we had, uh, it was it was Black History Month. We had Best Male Actors. You made me come up with five. Will Smith was among them. <laughs> yes. I love Will Smith. I know. This was really bad for Will Smith. Yeah, it was awful. It was fucking great awful. for Chris Rock. Oh, my God. I mean. It was awesome for Chris Rock. Yes. It was a lame joke. Big deal. Uh, that's, all, what, that's, the, that's the joke you get slugged over? Immediately, <laughs> immediately pretty much forgiven for the joke. It was it was a joke. It was actually a pretty clever joke used where it was in referencing, you know, movies and at the academy. It was referencing was, like a thirty year old movie, movie for God's sake. There were bring, probably kids at home saying, "What's GI Jane?" You know, you're, bring, you're bringing attention to her being bald. She's out in public, bald. Everybody knows she's bald. Everybody knows why she's bald. Not that she shouldn't be sensitive about it, and and, and not that the and joke obviously was, she was sensitive about it. Not that the, the joke was a good sense, but. Another thing is that you're Jada Pickett Smith. If you if you are uncomfortable going out in public bald, there's a gay man willing to lend you his lace front wig. Like you don't have to do. Like you did. She did that, and she had every right to. And I think she was gorgeous. She was beautiful. I, I understand she's a little crazy. Well, I don't dress, know from that whole train of a dress was kind of awful. Uh, I, I I thought I only saw her sitting. But down. she did. She looked sitting down. She face. looked beautiful. I she thought. was beautiful. Her face. Fucking perfect, right? It's like a uh, yeah. I don't know what it is between Jada and Will. I don't really care. I know. I never took much interest in their lies or anything they do. I think or anything. it's kind of kinky and sexy and good for them and living your truth. And it must be difficult with the spotlight that's on you, especially him. Um, but he should. He should. He should have been removed. removed. He should have been. He should have been removed. But like I don't know, Howard Stern went off about it and was saying, you know, he's just like Trump. They think they can get away with this, and no one calls them out on it. It's absolutely true. Right? And it's not... I, I think he's different from Trump, but I think it's... Uh, oh, yeah. It's very different I, I, from it, Trump. It's a... Uh, but there's that same mindset that you thought you could go up there and hit this guy... With impunity. And get away with it. On live TV, the Oscars, the most the most watched telecast year after year ever. Yep. 
I mean, yes, I understand you're standing up for your wife. Yeah. Good for you. You're a great husband. There's a time and place and way of doing it. You made a damn fool out of you and her. Yeah. Because she don't come off looking so great either. And there are people who make her the victim. And in a way, she's the victim. Not only of what Chris Rock's joke was, but of her husband's reaction afterwards. Now, she may be proud of that. And she may that may turn her on. And right. I, and I hope they had a good that night. Well, but, the, they, there's video of them at the after party afterwards. They seem to be having a good time. Yeah. yeah. So obviously they didn't give the matter too much thought until the next morning. Then he had to put on a whole long it was apology. A, it again. was it was a huge deal. Yeah. That that man getting up and smacking Chris Rock. It's Chris Rock. I mean, I, 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 I one of the things I tweeted later on is it's a wonder that Ricky Gervais has never gotten hit. That's true. Because <laughs> he is withering. He's hot. He's, he's withering yeah. in his uh, his attack yeah. on his comedy. Oh my god. Yeah. And Jada, I don't think it, I don't think it was an insult. Joke. I think you know they. I don't think so either. I, I, I understand. There's a throwaway was, line. It, it didn't have to be this. Maybe had had it been left alone, maybe it would have been. And that Chris Rock joke about her that was just tacky and awful. And everybody would have moved on. Yeah, but no, you made it a thing. It, it had to be. He made it such a thing, and it was. He handled it so badly, and then they handled it so badly. And it's not a zero tolerance thing, and it's not a woke thing. It's that this guy. I just used my tele my 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 television show as the producer. Yeah. This fucking guy on my television show, I'm paying how many millions of dollars? I got how many? St- I got all this shit going on, and you're gonna walk up on the stage in front? And no, you gotta go, right? You have to go. Yeah. And it was it was it, uh, again. It would have been much smaller a story if that's. But then this is the same Hollywood that has allowed. Dave Chappelle to keep attacking trans people and he doesn't face any adverse consequences to a career. This is the same Hollywood that's re-embraced the anti-Semite and misogynist Mel uh, Gibson. They don't seem to have a problem with him anymore. And like I said, in a little while, they're going to forget, they're going to try to forget all about this and hope everyone else does too. It's going to be rushed under. And I'm like, you know no, what? you can't brush this shit uh, under this, anymore. This, this... These are repulsive. I'm not saying Will Smith's repulsive. His behavior was repulsive. It, it was, and he should be faced the consequences accordingly. The idea that the American Association of Artistic Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, whatever the fuck they are, the fuck, they're going to open an investigation. Yeah, are you doing okay? So you got a toothless tiger. What are you going to do? Yeah, you're not. That's gonna, his. That's his PR cover. You're not going to take the award away from him. No, of course not. You should not. You should not take the award. Away no, from him. I think that's a totally separate issue from oh, com- what com- happened. Altogether there. separate. If you want to ban him from future Academy events, do not allow him to be on that stage again. Yeah, because uh, ordinarily he would be back there for the next year to present the Best Actress Award. He is expected now to be to be a presenter next year, right? To present the alternate award, mm-hmm. right? So do not allow that. No, do not explain that when it happens. <laughs> Let Chris Rock present it. <laughs> I think they should have. Uh, he should have been thrown out, and when his award was presented, Chris Rock should have accepted it. Done. The night is over. We're done. Everything happened. To, he can go to all the balls and parties afterwards. All the guys can come up and hug him and make him feel better about he didn't really mean it to Joe. Who went up immediately and hugged uh, Will Smith and to comfort well, him? Uh, yeah, it was Denzel and uh, you Joy know, Perry came over to him right away. He's their friend, and they did the of right course, thing. Of course, but, they um, did. Uh, yeah, he should have been removed. He should have been removed. He should have been removed. But especially when you saw them uh, when he after that he makes this whole long Oscar speech, which was like sort of like a, an apology for his behavior, referring it back to the movie he was in, and they gave him a standing ovation. No, 
No, you don't give him a standing ovation. I'm sorry. I he didn't know that part. Yeah. I mean, he's a very likable guy. He's a very handsome guy. I've never been he's a, a very I've never been a big guy. Will Smith fan. I've never been like one to go out and like, oh let's go see a Will Smith movie. I've never given the man much thought, you know? Okay. But he's completely But he's a, he's a good actor. I, I'm not gonna deny him he's that. He's a good actor. He's fun. He gives off this life energy. He and his wife and, and their non traditional relationship and their willingness to share that I think is adds to his appeal. But this was a bit this was a mistake. Yep. He fucked up, and he fucked up big. Well, that's what I'm- he didn't do this at Caroline's. He didn't do this at the comedy basement. He did this at the Academy, Academy Awards. Awards. And that's the other thing: you invited a, a comedian to Chris be Rock. on your show. Chris Rock. I'm sorry, Chris Rock. And he's been on the show before. He did 2016, and he made jokes about Jada and Will Smith back then. This is what because they weren't there at the awards this show. This is what he does. He he he's an insult comic. Come on. And, and, and the joke was. Maybe in bad taste. I submit, and not to blame her, but it didn't... I, I can understand how somebody would feel with her being out at that event, bald. Yeah. As beautiful, as statuesque, right? as elegant as she was, that she would be okay. She's okay. Look at her. I know. She's out. She's at the Oscars, right? for fuck's sake. Yeah. And it's not like, you know, she's at the Oscars because she... No, she's at the Oscars because her husband been nominated Best Actor. Yeah. So they're front row Oscars. Yeah. She decides, rightfully, with strength and, and deserving of respect, I can understand how Chris Rock would say, based on that, she's okay. Yeah. I can get past this joke. We're friends. This is a, right, a, and he was wrong. But Will Smith, Will Smith was wrong, wrong. He, yeah, wrong, wrong. I'm sorry. Nothing justified him no. getting Chris Rock. Nope. Nothing justifies it. Absolutely not. I'm sorry. There's a time and place to handle something like that, and that wasn't the time, place, or way to handle it. Now, extended. but the best, the best line of the night though was there was a commercial break, and then the show comes back, and it's Amy Schumer, and she's like, "Hey guys," he goes, "I'm sorry, I've been gone so long. I was stuck in that Spider-Man costume. Did I miss anything?" <laughs> The best line of the night. And it writes itself. Oh, my God. It was great. So now we're going to... Well, actually, there's one more part of this I want to discuss, and that was basically the public reaction to this. Oh. And I've seen friends on Facebook and other people saying, oh, I hate Will Smith for this, and I hate him for this, and I'm not going to watch his movies anymore. And I'm like, girlfriend, get off your high horse. It's too easy for that. It's you know? Too, it's too easy to even talk about it because we all see it. We all know what it is. Each one of us is probably that person to somebody else. I know there are people who dread seeing that purple and black image come down their fucking screen, knowing that I'm out there spewing some shit. <laughs> Okay, I know that they're out there. I know that they hate me. And I know that they, for whatever reason, they're still allowing my bullshit to appear on their feet. <laughs> what? We all have that person. It has to be something that we just go live beyond. But I was like, my reaction to this was like, yeah, Will Smith, he fucked up. He fucked up royally in public before millions. Yeah. And now he's going to be spending the next couple of months or so trying to make up for that. There'll, there'll be a tour of, of Will Smith and Chris Rock in Seattle on November 8th. And like I said, and this wasn't something like Mel Gibson being an anti-Semite. This wasn't something like Dave Chappelle going in and attacking trans people. This is a guy who lost his cool and hit someone. And yes, he should be 
face consequences for that. But to get into this, oh, this whole uh, he's not an high abuse. dudgeon I, I, about... He, he doesn't come across as a serial abuser. She doesn't seem like the type of woman who would... Who, and I know this may be, again, male privilege. I don't know what I can say anymore without saying an apology before it adjourning it. Because who am I going to insult? My feeling is, like, some of these people, is like, before you start casting judgment on Will Smith, why don't you be a little more forgiving and patient... Because someday you may be in a situation where you royally you lose, fuck up. You lose your you know? shit. And you're going to have to ask people for forgiveness. This was really bad. This was really bad. Really bad. You know? Um, it, the only thing that could have been worse was if he had hit her. Well, people say, what if it had been a female comedian? What if it had been Wanda Sykes? Oh, or Amy Schumer had said this, you know? Uh, I could see Wanda Sykes giving that joke. Right? I could absolutely see Wanda Sykes <laughs> you know? delivering that joke. His reaction would have been entirely. Would have to be. He would never. He could come on. He would would never be able to work again if he slugged a woman. I can't. I I can't imagine he wouldn't be in jail right now. Yeah, I mean, it's a. He should be counting his blessings that Chris Rock did not press charges. You know what? I think it's. I think they're friends. You know, I I think they come across each other. They may not be. You know, they they probably yeah. They probably their circles cross, but that's about it. They have to have crossed each other. They know each other, like you say. He has joked about them before. Yeah, in 2016. Uh, Yeah. No, everybody knows who Chris Rock is. I, I I don't know. I think his reaction his his reaction was he may have been well. I'm talking about may have been just filled with the drama of the evening, and I don't know. He King Richard. He was the guy who raised the two girls who played tennis like killers. Richard Williams. Richard. So maybe he was in that sort of defending the girl type of headspace. Uh, you could go on forever trying yeah, to give him an excuse. Exactly. What a, he did the wrong fucking thing at the wrong fucking time. This was superior stupidity. Yeah. To do it at the Oscars is unbelievably stupid. That's what he's, his, his mother, not, not being able to control his anger. Yeah. But this act of unbelievable stupidity is his, his guiltiest yep. approach. Exactly. Exactly. Well, we're now going to move on to our next segment, which is people saying stupid things, but I think Will Smith covered all of that yeah, let's, already. Let's, let's that <laughs> so we're going to move on to five faves. Yeah, see now. Uh, and for this, we chose our favorite memorable Oscar moments from the past. When you say we, you mean you and me? You have favorite Oscar moments? No, we didn't. No, we we chose for this week. We chose yes, our five right. favorite who, memorable who, Oscar show moments. Who's we? We chose. Who chose? Oh, I chose. You chose. I'm talking the royal we. Oh, the royal <laughs> we. Okay, the royal one. If people can use their own per, per, pronoun Pronouns. for other things, I can use the royal we. No, Patrick Finn. We us. We are. Okay. <laughs> I'm t- timing it. It's that. So. <laughs> Okay, so I'm not a movie guy. I don't really follow. I can remember certain things. Okay. Okay. I remember the one-handed push-ups. Yes, Jack Palance. That okay, was in the yeah. 1980s yeah. when he won the Best Supporting Actor Award for uh, City Slickers. And he was in his 70s. Easy. It, easily. And he did one-handed push-ups on the show, and it then became a running gag yeah. for the rest of the Oscar show. Billy Crystal was the host that year. Yeah. And yeah, that was a great. That was a great night. That it was, was great that was fun. That, that he, was that was a he fun was show. Amazing. He, and that was sort of like such a going off script moment. Well, that's Jack Pounce. Jack Pounce yeah. is a, he's a, he's an eccentric. Guy. He wanted he wanted to prove how strong and viral he was. In that voice, he has. In that delivery. Yeah, he's oh, a, he's something else. Some, yeah, sexy though. It's, <laughs> I don't know. Who's you? My first one. I'm gonna go backwards in time, but my first one is Robin Williams singing "Blame Canada" in okay. the 2000. Academy Awards. It was the year of South Park's Bigger, Longer, Uncut. Okay. And 
their song got nominated okay. for the best song Oscar. And of course, all the best songs are performed on the show. Right, right, right. So they probably said, how the hell are we going to perform this number? Give it to Robin Williams. Give it to Robin Williams. Right. And he did a fabulous job. Of course of he it. did. He really did. Of course he did. And by the way, we're going to be putting all these clips on our on our website so you can all view Oh, good, because I'd love to see that. Oh, it's fantastic. I watched it. it again to this afternoon. Okay. He does a phenomenal job. He, he really does. He, he was... I remember him... I don't know if it's true memory. It must be. Okay. The Actors Studio. Yes. What's his name? Oh, uh, James Lipton. Gives him a scoff. Okay. A scoff. Five minutes. With, I mean... It's that mind. He was a brilliant, he was a comedic genius. That, the mind. The, the likes mi- of which we'll probably never, ever see again. He was a genius, thank God he found comedy. Yes. Because where that genius could have gone, right? I, I, I don't, uh, he was really something extra. Yeah. There yeah. There's something there that you don't see all the time. Yo. Uh, yeah. He's a once in a lifetime thing. You know, yeah. you'll, never see, you'll never see the likes of him. Yeah. Again. Truly amazing. Who, what's your next uh, favorite Oscar moment? Okay, I remember the guy climbing over the seats on his way to the stage. Oh, uh, Roberto. Oh, what the hell's his name? He, uh, Benini, he Roberto. Be- I think it's Roberto Benini. Best director for a horrible, horrible film. It I was mean, a, Holocaust a beautiful film. film, but it was a Holocaust film. Yeah. Uh, I remember him climbing over the seats to get there. That was that was silly. Yes, Roberto Benini. Yeah, he he was a little out of control. He was great. Well, I'm trying to think of the Again, name of the such film. an honest... Life is Beautiful is the name of the film. Okay, right. And such an honest, beautiful reaction he had to that. Like, oh, yeah, it was. He had no plans to climb over those people. Right? Of course not. And Yeah, there he was. Well, my next favorite moment is along similar lines. It's from 1997 when Cuba Gooding won the Best Supporting Actor for his role in uh, Jerry Maguire. Okay. And he, had a, he knew he had a limited amount of time, and he just went on this spiel... And then the music started playing, and he got louder and kept going before it was, he's jumping all around the I stage. It was such a great moment. It really was. You really like, you, you felt his joy. He was, yeah, you really okay, you felt yeah. his joy in that. It was amazing. So that was my that was my second moment. That, I love Cuba Gooding. Cuba Gooding is the same sort of Will Will Smith kind of guy. Yeah, but unfortunately, he made he's made some bad film choices. Cuba Gooding? Yeah. He never stopped somebody on stage at the Oscars, did No, he, he has not. But so he's, he's a step ahead of I know, but he's, but he's made a lot of bad films, unfortunately. All right, all right, all right. All right. He's adorable. Yeah, he is. He's, he's, he is adorable. He's, he's great in Jerry Maguire. He's, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's very appealing. Right? I don't have any others. You don't have any others? And that's what I can remember. Like, I can't remember a specific moment at an Oscars ceremony. I, I, uh, Cher's dress? Cher's dress is a moment. Oh, my God, that dress. Uh, Cher's dress is... is I, like, I forget what year. That was in the 70s, I think. was in the 70s. Early 80s, maybe? I don't know. Uh, yeah. Cher at all at the Oscars. Cher winning. Yeah. Yeah, that was the year she won, that she wore that She wore the Bob Mackie, the black. She won uh, for Moonstruck. Yeah. That's amazing to me. Yeah. Cher. Yeah. Good choice. Good choice. Uh, I, I, you know, share anyway. My next moment is from 1989, the Alan Carr produced Oscar show. Okay. Starring Rob Lowe and Snow White. Oh, dear. <laughs> Better known as the 11 minutes that ruined Alan Carr's career. Oh, dear. Uh, if you've never seen it, it was a supposed to be a musical montage to Hollywood with Rob Lowe, and they brought in Snow White. And Snow White was animated? No, it was an actress playing Snow White. Okay, I had a little voice. Yeah, it was just really annoying. They got six parts full of them. 
And they did this whole... They did, they, I, remember, I remember them singing Rolling on the River, and that was, oh my God, it was just awful. And then it like, the, the set opens up, it's supposed to be like, like a nightclub from the classic 40s or whatever. Uh-huh. And they have all these famous older acting couples. They had Roy Rogers and Dale Evans, Vincent Price and his wife. And they're like sitting there like, where are we going? What are we doing here? Liza. I don't know if Liza was in there. Well, but Liza... Yeah, but like Liza from the other Liza night. without the Gaga saying, it's okay, bitch, I got you. But it's it's a horrendously bad opening of any kind of a show well, was, that, that should be seen once. I think I... In fact, the, Aust- the Academy Awards, the Academy got sued by Disney for the misappropriation of the Snow White character. Snow White. <laughs> okay, so how does the Oscars get to a point where they just decide we're going to use this Disney character? That was Alan Carr. That's blatant. and that's There's a documentary on Alan Carr. I think it's on Netflix. i got to look for it. I'll have to look for that, too, because I don't know who you're talking about, but he sounds fascinating. He's had quite the flamboyant career. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Like David Merrick. Right? Yeah. But I don't think as successful as David Merrick, but... Uh, uh, yeah, well, David Merrick was... So you have no other moments, huh? Not, I mean, you could probably lead me to one, but well, I have two, and they're 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 fairly famous, and they're both from the seventies. Okay, so you probably may, you may not remember them. The nineteen seventy four show in which the streak occurred. Oh, David Niven was on stage. He was on stage, and at the time. he had the very best reaction. Yes, he did. He's like, I, f- I forget the exact line. He's like, he goes sadly, he goes, he goes. The only way this man will probably ever get a laugh is by taking off his clothes and showing off his shortcomings. <laughs> Thank God for the British. But back then, in case you didn't know, back in 1974, streaking became a fad for the year. Yeah, it started yeah, yeah. on college campuses. Yeah, yeah. And then it became a fan across the nation. I, I love it. I'm all running for it. naked somewhere. I'm all for it. I think it should happen more often. I I have not been mooned in I don't even know how long in my car. I I think we bring it back. I you know what are you doing? Right. Everybody's so worried about. Well, uh, yeah, that was a very famous moment on the Academy Awards. Yes, and I have seen that clip many many a times. Is is it's yeah. classic. David Niven is fantastic. Right, and then lastly. I think it's my favorite moment of them all. From 1972, and I was 10 years old, and I remember watching this, when Charlie Chaplin got his Lifetime Academy Award. Okay, no, that's completely foreign to me. It was, he got the longest ovation in Academy Awards history, a 12-minute ovation. Chaplin. Coming well, out on stage. Well, come on, who else would it be? Well, you have to realize, this was his first time back in the country since he was basically ex- exiled for having supposed communist sympathies. And he was basically... His visa was revoked, and he had to leave the country. It started long before that, didn't it? His wife was a qu- was was a questionable choice. Yeah, but they didn't do something about it. I think until like the forties, when the whole red fever was starting and everything, forties or fifties. So he got invited to come back then for this lifetime achievement award, and they welcomed him with a twelve minute ovation. Yeah, they, he didn't. He went out there. He did not know how he was going to be received. He's does he because of the way he left the country and the way there was so much hostility back then against him because of that. What year was this? This was in nineteen seventy two. He was. Had to be 70. He was like 80-something, I right, think, right, right, or 80 right. years old, I think, at the time. So this is now, people, his audience, the audience he's walking out onto. Yeah. Are not his peers. No. All his peers are gone oh, by God. that point, you know? So he's walking out onto a stage of people who have benefited from what he did, mm-hmm. who, who 
many of whom probably are doing what they do now because of watching him do what he did exactly then. so you would you, you if you think about it his fear of what their response might be to him is unfounded right completely legitimate but this is a man who's been living who's been living in, in Europe exile. all this time yeah he's like the, he's, he's like the duke of windsor right you know and then he finally comes out and goes to America for the first time in over like 20, 30 years, I think. Yeah. So it was it was an incredible moment. I love I mean, as a kid, I grew up watching these silent movies. Channel 13, WNET. Yeah, yeah. Would play these like on a on a weekend. They would play anybody, a whole bunch a- of these. And I saw like Charlie Chaplin film, The Gold Rush, so and many anybody of them. anybody who makes movies now, still, I think, today, they're gonna tell you it may not be the biggest influence that I ever had, but I've seen every one of those movies. I saw that man. Oh my god! Hang off that clock, right? We'll run down, Lloyd. run down that yep. train. Like I've seen Buster those. Thi- I've seen those things. Yeah. I've watched them. And and Chaplin, he was he was the king. He was, you know, he he made filmmaking an art. Yeah, he did. He really did. Yeah, more well, than any possible. other artist at that time. I mean, yeah, Max Sennett was a director, but he wasn't the artist that Chaplin no. became. You know? No. No. What Max Bennett had to do was point the camera at Chaplin. Actually, yeah. And let Chaplin take over. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. As a director, and I'm a basically lazy person, mm-hmm. um, but as as when I work as a director, yeah. I'm going to cast the bitch who can play that part. Of course. I don't want to have to deal with you. You haven't played the I don't want to talk to you. You play the part. Okay? I'll take care of everything around you. Right. You play the part. We'll talk together. Nice. But I, I don't want to have to feed you this. But no, do it. You do it. The fuck? Oh, man. What else we got? We now move on to the grumpy old gay men gripe, gripe of, of the, the week. week. Do you have one? Oh, yeah. What is it? I mean, it's everything. I, the temperature moving. You got to sit my chest to it because you just... Uh, spring is going to be horrendous. I'm not looking forward to As an allergy person, my whole life I've suffered with allergies. The spring is the worst. Okay. Summer into fall is not bad. It's bad. Yeah. Winter winter into spring is uh, there's actually violence perpetrated. I have sinus problems, so I sympathize. Yeah, you know? it's been my whole life, and it's it's only gotten worse. It's getting worse. I just I'm I'm tired of feeling like that. You know, that's yeah. my grump is like fuck you. Decide, pick a temperature and be that. I know. I tell you, it's twenty. It's twenty in the twenties today. It's twenty God's degrees out. And in two days, it's gonna be what in the fifties or sixties. I'm gonna I'm gonna be sick. Right. I know. Um, so you know, I, I hate that. I hate. I hate everything right now. I'm in sort of a. I hate. I hate everything right now. Okay. Everything's annoying. Everything bothers me. You're going um, through the change again? <laughs> no, because a seasonal change. It's it's it's, uh, it's not a good time right now for me. In, in, uh, well, it's a great time for grumps. Yes, it is. Uh, gripes. <laughs> I mean. What else? I guess. Well, I have my gripe of the week. Right, tell me. Maybe it's I a can... personal one. Okay. Emptying the dishwasher. Oh, for fuck's sake. And this is what I had a discussion with my husband about this morning. <laughs> tell me. I said from now on, if you take something out of the dishwasher, you take everything, everything out, of, out of the dishwasher. Okay. I said the dishwasher is not a separate cabinet because... You keep leaving stuff in there, and then you have all the dirty dishes piling up in the sink and on the side of the sink, because we're using the dishwasher as a cabinet. Yeah, it's good, though. What? It's good, though. What do you mean it's good? Like, why not use the dishwasher as a cabinet? It's clean! Yes, but then I have a whole mess in my kitchen ca- on my kitchen sink, then. Okay. 
And that, but that bothers you. Yes, it does. So you don't want to wait until the dishwasher is empty of all the clean stuff before you load it. You want it to be emptied all at once. Exactly. And then loaded piecemeal one at a time. As you're dirtying dishes. You Let me ask you another question. There. Yes. Answer. It puts you yes, maybe closer away. to my life. <laughs> is it possible to load the dishwasher wrong? What do you mean? You wrong. know what I mean. Well, you don't. If you don't know what I mean, then the answer is no. I, uh, yeah. Do I, you go in and correct other people's dishwasher. Oh, no, loaded. Stephen does that. Stephen does that. Stephen does so that. So you load the dishwasher wrong. Well, I don't know if I load it wrong, but if he doesn't like a particular item the way I put it, he will put it somewhere else. Somebody comes along and fixes it. Yes. So to somebody else, you have loaded it wrong. Okay, yes. there's a cut for you right there because we didn't need any of that. So, so uh, uh, yes, to be able to load the dishwasher wrong, uh, yeah. 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 I... I <sighs> Yeah, dishwashers are rough. I know. Very convenient. Uh, a cause of much stress, evidently. Yeah, well, not in, much stress, in but it's, it's my gripe of the week. It's the gripe, yeah. Empty the dishwasher. Empty the dishwasher. Ugh. Now, you and Stephen have a pretty sort of clear, linear distinction between your responsibilities. Well, I'm pretty much in charge of cleaning. He cooks. He cooks. He drives. He drives. You clean. I clean. Do you you clean the kitchen? I clean the kitchen. I clean everything. You clean the house. Yes, I do. Do you do the laundry? Yes, I do. Okay. He helps me fold it, but I do I bring it all down, sort it out, everything. You wash it, you do. Yeah, right, so you have your, your job, and you're yep. very happy with that. You've been happy well, with that. Well, I wouldn't it. say I'm happy, Pat. I'd love to have a maid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Abigail is sharing absolutely equally. Oh, of course. Abigail. Please. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, this brings us to the conclusion of our show. You're going to cut that, right? Okay. <laughs> but you can find our episode on the other episodes on our website. How www. many episodes have there been? This is now episode number 29, I believe. That is fucked up. Am I right about that? Let's 20, find out. I'm not sure. I actually don't know what number we are. 29 weeks. I think it's 29. And I missed two of them. And you missed two of them. 27 weeks. Yep. And so far, we're still kind of talking to each other. Yeah, it's amazing, right? <laughs> yeah, because I'm annoying and you're hot-headed. I don't know what you're talking about. You hot-headed me. Okay, so we're never going to talk about it. Yeah, you're hot-headed and I'm annoying. So, so it's amazing. I'm wrong. This will, this tonight is our thirtieth. Thirty. Thirtieth. Bitch. So it means we've been doing this for thirty weeks. That's like somebody I could take home and not be embarrassed about. <laughs> wow. Thirty. Jesus Christ. Anyway, you can find our episodes on our website, www.grumpyoldgaymenandtheirdogs.com. We have a blog listing all of our episodes that you can click and link to. We also have a bonus material in which we post a lot of video links on all the topics that we've talked about. You can also follow us on Facebook and on Twitter. And we want to thank our producer, Stephen Prendergast, for his wonderful job of doing what he cookies. does and bringing us cookies. Although we never went for those, he'd have those donuts here, right? He didn't bring them back to you. No. Uh, he said he would. But I'll he have did. one after then. Yeah. So, I guess on that note, we're going to say have a good night, have a good week, have a good life, and we'll see you next week. Bye, bitches. Bye, bitches.